Hit it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Black Hat, directed by Michael Mann and starring Australia's Chris Hemsworth. This has gone straight to DVD in Australia, which we'll get into, but ahead of everything, just be aware we're going to have spoilers in this episode. Uh, We've seen Black Hat, we're discussing the ending. If you haven't seen it, you may not want to listen on until you have. The moment you connect, you lose control. I can target anyone, anything, anywhere. They're moving the money. No fingerprints, no trace. No mercy. Lloyd, uh, this opened in the States opposite American Sniper and Taken 3, and that's why it bombed. Yeah. Uh, what happened was it came out uh, as the same weekend as American Sniper, which was a giant of a film, an unexpected mega hit. It actually holds the record for the largest January opening in movie history, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Black Hat did so poorly in releases around the world. Legendary Pictures, who was still suffering with the mega disaster of Jack and the Giant Slayer, decided not to release it in Australia. But you'd think out of anywhere in the world where this film is probably going to make money, you would think releasing it in the star's homeland, it might have a shot. I think Michael Mann wasn't really given a fair chance with this film, I feel. And some of the theories as to why it did so poorly was that its complex subject matter wasn't conveyed too well in the marketing campaign. Yeah. Well, I mean, straight off the bat, the film opens with a remote access tool and the the CG graphics take you inside a computer, down chords. It reminded me very, very little, like it uh, reminded me a very small amount rather of um, that shot in Fight Club where he goes into the garbage and, you know, sort of Yeah, that's, that's a really good shot. point, yeah. No, that's but then it kind of just kept going. Like it was like a very long take and I was like, what am I looking at here? And I, my eye, I suppose, I wanted something else on screen and it kept going deeper and deeper into this... Uh, I suppose, cyber world. Yeah, it dramatizes the mechanics of hacking and virus codes. And I think Michael Mann wants to emphasize the power of the hacker or something, that this modern world is very vulnerable. And it looked like, yeah, as you say, like something out of anime, something out of Ghost in the Shell, maybe. And it looked very futuristic as well. Like, there were only a few things, like, once it popped up, I go, isn't that a computer fan? Oh, we're inside a computer, you know. It It was a very daring opening. Well, the alternative, I suppose, is to watch some hacker's fingers just typing on a keyboard, you know. It's very hard to visualise hacking. So it was a bold gambit to um, to start with these kinds of graphics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. Chris Hemsworth being Australian, you'd think it would get an Australian release. It actually got a limited release in the UK, which, you know, like, I suppose just sort of emphasises that the marketing of this was maybe wrong. But straight to DVD in Australia, so... That's that's what we get. That's what we get for. I don't know. We're, we're such being... a small market, just like our oh, bugger those guys, you know. Like it's just like what? <laughs> yes, this is true. Can I tell you? Uh, looking into this film, it really does seem to polarize audiences. It sits at five point four out of ten on IMDb. Yeah, it's and about- critics have been brutal brutal on it as well. Even the diehard Michael Mann defenders, I've noticed, have. Um, uh, just passed off of this film yeah for sure and I mean I'd just like to read you a couple of things from Rotten Tomatoes some of the bad ones, some of the good ones this is visionary filmmaking of the first order, positive right Black Hat is a journey down the cyber rabbit hole only instead of finding a land of wonder you're stuck with a land reeking of stagnation and surrounded by tedium just one of the bad ones Oh, the, it, the, we'll discuss the ending. I do want to get to it, but I think that really let the film down. Let's talk about what a black hat is, first of all, because I was watching it on DVD with my wife and we kept joking about what a black hat was. And every time something would happen, I'd say, oh, classic black hat, or, oh, they're going to black hat him, or he's black hatting <laughs> us. You know? And we kept using it as a verb. And 
and just trying to like guess what a black hat was because I intentionally stayed away from everything. I hadn't seen the trailer. All I did was watch the movie. You're the one that uh, told me this film even existed. Uh, like I like Michael Mann and I enjoyed Collateral and Ali. You're the Michael Mann fan, so you know how did it get on your radar? <laughs> well, I've been looking forward. Uh, to a to doing a Michael Mann film on this podcast for a while, so there are a few things I want to say about the guy before we begin. He's probably my favorite director of all time. Like that's how high up I've got him. Um, so I'm probably looking at this through Michael Mann's uh, goggles, sort of thing. I, I love the heroes and villains that inhabit his films. I love how he sees the world in that particular style. Uh, he's primarily renowned uh, as an influential master filmmaker for the crime genre. Like, I don't know if you've seen it, but his film Thief in 1981, starring James Caan, still remains the greatest film on the subject of thieves. And I think I haven't come across anything else that comes close to it. And then you got Manhunter, which is the first film ever made um, on Hannibal Lecter, remains the template of all serial killer, killer movies. And now almost all TV police procedurals and movies um, follow what Michael Mann did in 1986. You know, shows like Criminal Minds, Along Came a Spider, The Bone Collector, a very similar structure to um, Manhunter, funny enough. Um, Heat which is one of the greatest films of, all, of the 90s, probably the best cops and robbers film ever made with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Nolan goes on, Christopher Nolan goes on about how much that film influenced a lot of The Dark Knight. And how Michael Mann works is like this. He said that if he's going to do a film on a thief, say, he doesn't read a book about a thief or watch movies about thieves. He goes out and hangs out with thieves. Like, he approaches each film the subject of it like an anthropologist would approach their study so if an anthropologist was studying a tribe in south america they would live with the tribe for a year so some of the people he hung out with he cast um in his films like dennis farina for instance was a cop in chicago who was uh, michael mann was pretty good friends with and he was an advisor for thief and michael mann cast him in a very small role in the film and eventually dennis farina became an actor and, and he, he also puts actors through rigorous pre-production I think we talked about that a few times on our podcast. So, like, Tom Cruise played a professional hitman in Collateral. Tom Cruise had to go through extensive close combat and arms training, and he really became an expert by the end. And that confidence and marksmanship showed in the film. Like, he just showed... It just looked like he was very proficient um, with a handgun and everything like that. And Will... I heard that um, Tom Cruise as well for Collateral, he had to blend in yeah. like, and dress as a FedEx guy. Uh, he put on a hat and sunglasses and he has a recognizable face. You know, he had to go up to people, get them to sign a clipboard and disappear without them realizing he was Tom Cruise. That was all caught on a Go, uh, GoPro cam as well. So he connected a GoPro cam to his head and he had to go around delivering packages and just pretend and just blend in as, as a normal FedEx dude. And he had conversations with people and everything like that. And no one recognized he was Tom Cruise. That's incredible. Mm. Uh, yeah. Will Smith um, as well spent a year training his body to become Muhammad Ali and it was a real incredible change I, I remember seeing the trailer at the cinema and the whole crowd was like oh my gosh you know when on the trailer played and he steps on the scales and he's you know just bare chested it, it really showed the work ethic of Will Smith and w which he's become renowned for because prior to Ali all we knew of Will Smith really was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air we just couldn't believe when it was announced he was going to play play muhammad ali i remember all our reactions were like what you know <laughs> mm. and to top it all off i think michael mann has one of the best eyes in all of cinema i think his films look amazing his use of music is pretty sublime as well with black hat michael mann tackles the subject of cybercrime, uh especially hacking and he casts chris hemsworth as, as the genius hacker the first impression i had of the movie was chris hemsworth was a really poor choice he's too handsome too yes. super fit to be a hacker but then <laughs> yeah. i watched the special features of, of the blu-ray did you get a chance to watch any of them dave no no special features there were no special features on your one 
No, I just got a straight DVD with no special oh, features. That sucks. Yeah. Well, the special features were actually pretty good, but I'm very disappointed there were no audio commentaries. I got the Blu-ray of it. Um, this is the first audio commentary Michael Mann has not done on his movie since The Insider, all the way back in 1999. Last of the Mohicans was re-released a couple of years ago, um, re-edited actually, so it's a director's edit. I think you can only get that in America, so go to Amazon. I might put up a link on our website if you guys are interested in getting it. And that edition has an audio and commentary in case you guys are really curious. Anyway, the special features of Black Hat, there is a behind-the-scenes look at hackers. And, then, and there were hackers like Albert Gonzalez and Stephen Wall. And Stephen Wall in particular is this giant of a man, a bodybuilding surfer maths genius. And what's interesting, these hackers aren't the, the stereotypical people that you'd think, like middle-class white kids behind a keyboard. A lot of these hackers have broken the law and spent time in jail when they were young. As it's referenced in the movie, they had to drop academia for Gladiator Academy and toughen up to the brutal environment of prison. So that's why Hathaway, who, play, who Chris plays, is proficient in close-quarters combat as he spent a large portion of his life in prison. He's also dedicated himself to his own programming program of exercising his mind and body, as he says in that conversation in the um, uh, Korean restaurant. I was in a bar, I met some girl, and some guy got in my face about her. He started to fight, and when it's over, he's in the hospital and I'm arrested. I wound up sentenced to 18 months at MCI in Norfolk. I traded academia for Gladiator Academy. I do my own time, not the institutions. See, to hold on to who you are in there, you dedicate yourself to your program. You work out in your body and your mind. Now, I actually found this movie to be very intriguing. I was hooked right from the get-go. The pursuit of the hacker was like nothing I had ever seen before. How they're trying to track the hacker through the breach of servers and leftover code. It was really exciting. And I loved how the film went around Asia and the authentic set pieces just throws you into a sense of immediacy. It just feels real, you know? Chris Hemsworth has become an A-list star because of his work on Thor. Look, he chose a wonderful role in Rush. We've previously covered it on our podcast. And it's a real story, you know. It's an actual uh, person he's playing, you know. And this kind of biographical work, uh, when somebody does it very well, you know, praised by Hollywood, that, basically. That's the role that Michael Mann uh, triggered for Michael Mann to cast Chris Hemsworth in this movie. Uh, Ron Howard showed Michael Mann 15 to 20 minutes of Rush while it was still being made. And Michael Mann was like, who is this guy? I, I want to work with him, like, right away, apparently. Well, I mean, that's a wonderful compliment. And I'm sure Chris Hemsworth took this role because Michael Mann has made so many great mm. productions. You know, he just trusted the the director, maybe not the material. For me... The fact that it's Chris Hemsworth, I mean, for the average cinema goer, they see him as the sexiest man alive. He's the current People magazine sexiest man alive. He is, uh, you know, according to Rolling Stone's review, he's the studliest computer genius in like <laughs> ever, you know. So the average moviegoer is going, why is the muscular Thor, God of Thunder, you know, a computer hacker in this? Because they they have the stereotypical vision of computer hackers, exactly, right? Exactly, yep. The, the villain in this is more of a stereotypical hacker, right? Just through, through appearance alone. Hemsworth stands out, right? He's got that A-list quality. So for the average moviegoer, they haven't watched these extra features. You know, you weren't initially sold on Hemsworth. No, not at all, yeah. Yep. Until you saw the special features. Yep. So for the average moviegoer going to the cinema, they're saying to themselves... Oh, that's bad casting. Yeah, it and was almost comedic. That's what my reaction was. Like I was yes. laughing, like going this like, and you see him shirtless quite a few times. Like it would be better if his brother played the role. That'd be more believable. Not putting his brother down or anything, but he's just so massive. You know, this guy is. Uh, <laughs> he just doesn't look like a computer hacker. We all grew up, um, especially in Australia, Dave. With these, we we know Chris Hemsworth types, the surfer kickboxer dude you know he just doesn't understand the computer world and to see him in a role like this was just laughable i know and the other thing is he does stand out as i said he stands out in asia <laughs> you know he's a tall muscular caucasian in asia you know like he's hiding he's a fugitive he's on the run i feel like it's not realistic what what they needed more of an everyman like eric banner in munich Felt like more of an everyman. Yeah, that, you know? that's a really good comparison. That's another Australian you brought up as well, yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, it, without Hemsworth, this movie doesn't feel like it's getting made. No, you know, absolutely. This was a seventy million dollar budget as well, which is a, a pretty modest size um, in this day and age when we're seeing budgets of two hundred million. Well, what I like about the one of the things I like about Michael Mann is that you can rest comfortably in Michael Mann's hands that what you're watching has been heavily researched. All the actors have been meticulously prepared for the role, so it isn't like the awful computer science of, say, Fast and the Furious 7. And, you know, when they're looking for the eye, the all-seeing eye, how it can see everything, it's just like, all right. Um, but what what they're dealing with in Black Hat seems very uh, a very probable threat. I read a few articles saying that this is the greatest hacker movie ever made, um, that it's actual authentic hacking, but I think Michael Mann, of course, took some liberation and dramatic license, like you just have to when it comes to movie making. Um, his advisors were Kevin Paulson and Christopher McKinley, both of whom were real-life actors, both convicted, I think, and one of them is now an editor for Wired magazine. The article I read that said that this is the best hacker movie was from the Wired magazine, so I think it was of a bit partial. <laughs> In-house. I would argue that uh, The Matrix is a hacker. Yeah, no, um, I heard that I heard that comparison as well. Yeah, The Matrix is one of the best um hacker movies, yeah. Yeah, I mean as well there's the movie Hackers and uh what's that Matthew Broderick movie where he uh is playing a video game Oh, War Games? War Games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could say that's a hacker movie as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just the most current and realistic depiction because for Michael Mann I see his films as very authentic. He uses this shaky handheld camera which can be annoying when everyone's <laughs> running in single file. And it's digital. He's using digital cameras. So it feels like it should be a cheaper production than $70 million. A lot of travel and Asia and whatever. And, you know, that's throwing up his budget. But it feels very realistic and authentic. Like, collateral for me, it feels like it's actually happening. You know, you're engrossed in the movie. Jamie Foxx is playing down to... Like, he feels like an everyman. He feels like a cab driver, you know. Um, Tom Cruise is, you know, very watchable, mesmerizing. Everything about collateral, I love. For me, this, the issue, I suppose, is it doesn't feel realistic from the get-go. Chris Hemsworth, as we said, stands out. But, I mean, in prison, obviously, he does the I'm doing the time, the time's not doing me. That's fine. It's good to have a mentality, right? But he gets sprayed with pepper spray. He's so tough, he doesn't even react. Yeah. Like... I mean, has he pepper sprayed himself regularly just to, like, build up an intolerance? (laughs) Well, the impression I got, that's happened so many times. But, yeah... (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Um, a lot of the complaints about this film that I've read are the, is about the pacing, you know. It's a slow burn of a movie, you know. They talk a lot. They yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people were bored with the things that I got really excited about. Like, all the um, the pacing at the middle. Like, I heard the romance was a bit forced. A lot of criticism like that. I bought into it because this guy's been in prison for a long time. This beautiful Asian chick is presented in front of him and he's always with her. Take a wild guess what's going to happen, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, well, when he's, he's leering at her neck for too long in the car there, like... Uh, it wasn't it crazy, yeah. the shots in that car as well, how she's talking and the shots are like really low at a mouth and stuff like that and it's just weird like i've never seen a conversation shot like that it's just so strange something about the frame rate or the editing and the yeah yeah i had an issue with uh the cops so viola davis who's in how to get away with murder she's brilliant uh, (laughs) she's amazing and, (laughs) and her partner who i recognized from fight club as one of project mayhem guys they have a conversation uh, McCallany, i think his name is okay yep. uh he says let me ask you a personal question you don't have to answer who did you lose in 9-11 and she says my husband and that's the end of the conversation and they're developing these characters only to kill them in the like minutes it's so strange because you get a big um each character has a huge backstory which is implicit but you're only getting fragments of it I know Michael and that's Mann. Michael Mann too, isn't it? Like yeah, that's a Michael Mann thing. Stories. Every character has like a, a an essay or a book written on them before they even come onto the set, you know, and they have to research it um, so much. Like, um, uh, especially with uh, Hathaway. What's his first name? I, I keep, I keep Is it Nick? Nick Hathaway. I keep saying Chris Hathaway. Um, but he has a huge backstory, and you only see here fragments of it. Like he. Um, this is f- from an interview I heard from Michael Mann. His uh, uh, dad worked um, a single father in a steel 
um, steel mill and he, he volunteered a few times in there um, helping out his dad and then eventually he got into hacking and then um, you know but you only see fragments of that in that conversation he has with the girl it's all cut up and you know he's just like maybe you should let the audience get to know these characters Michael <laughs> this was an issue for me I, I during the film I was like I'm not sure I care about any of these characters I, I didn't know if I was getting attached to anybody in the film, you know, which I think is a real issue. I'm supposed to be uh, rooting for Chris Hemsworth to uh, catch this guy, and that's fine. That's good over evil. Everyone assumes that's where the conflict is going, that he's going to catch the guy or the guy's going to die. You know, th- the issue's going to be solved. You set up a problem, it gets solved. Those cops, the car exploding in the street, people were saying uh, in reviews and on IMDb message boards, you could have put a clock timer in the corner going, car explodes in three, two, one. <laughs> well, wow, I was taken by surprise by that. I was like, whoa, I actually flinched at that. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, look, I for me as well, I didn't think of it that way, but that's a complaint I've heard. And I thought it was well shot, slow-mo and everything like that. And a meaningful way of trying to connect the characters. You know, she's lost her brother. Hemsworth's lost his friend. It That, for me, felt not terrible. Like... But the two agents, Viola Davis and... Uh, what did you say his name was? Uh, uh, Holt, Holt McCallany. Holt McCallany. The two of them roll up, shooting from behind, and then pull up, taking zero cover. And it felt to me, like, so inauthentic. Like, they would have taken cover behind the car doors or, you know, uh, not revealed their position right away. Um, I just... There was no way they couldn't die in that scene. And for me, that was I found it really annoying. Just as to raise the stakes, like make Chris Hemsworth more alone or something. Um, I found that bit really frustrating. I was like, it, what? It's so what are weird they because doing? Michael Mann employs Mick Gould to, to choreograph uh, a lot of his action scenes. And he's been working with him since Heat. And by the way, Mick Gould plays a role in a hit ma- as a hitman in the TV series Luck for HBO, for any of you hardcore Michael Mann viewers listening. Uh, Mick Gould was an ex-British SAS soldier and really brought a strong sense of brutal realism to, to choreography of action scenes. I, I know Oliver Stone gets all the credit for forever changing action movies. He did the same thing employing Dale Dye, an ex-Vietnam soldier, and Oliver Stone, of course, was an ex-soldier in Vietnam, and both really zeroed in on how actors hold their guns the military clothes they wear how they go about action everything like that platoon really put a sense of authenticity in action movies and raised the benchmark i like to think as well michael mann and mick gould what they did with heat and the famous bank robbery scene the choreography uh in that shootout and how all the actors held their weapons it really changed um how action films were made um and i really like the shootout in the amazing storm drain um, in, in, in Black Hat yeah, um, yeah. they had uh, those shrapnel bombs that was all really good yeah that, that was amazing you had Elias Kassar who is played by Richie Costa who believe it or not is British and he played a role as a villain in The Dark Knight my men will not work for a freak he, that, that's the same guy <laughs> yeah, he was brilliant in this there was actually a lot of backstory to his character and that's the things uh, with Michael Mann films as we're talking about um, characters are so rich in detail but you only get fragments of it just eno- enough to get the message and a lot of the backstory is implicit and I think as you say Dave it kind of works against Michael Mann if everything's implicit you need just stuff to be a little bit more explicit at times just to explain a little bit more like as you said um, Viola Davis goes I lost a husband in in September 11th and from that we can get why Viola Davis is like she is she's such a hunter she's such a predator you know she's a really driven strong female character but maybe zero in a bit on that I don't know but yeah it just feels a bit more there we could use from that and Elias Kassar and I had to look this up because it, it, they run through it in the film really fast he's a Lebanese military um, uh, special forces whatever their special forces is equivalent in the um, Christian group I don't know what they were then he had to leave Lebanon due to the civil war he put his skill set to service in the black market working for cartels maybe maybe private sector security teams so he's very proficient in close combat and firearms and he's very emotional when one of his men dies in the gunfight he doesn't leave Hong Kong he goes after the police team assigned to hunt them down and and this brings up that shootout what you're talking uh, talking about where a bazooka fires off killing 
Liam Wang, and they engage Viola Davis and the US Marshal. And it's it's so straightforward. Both get shot to hell by Elias Kazar's um, group of guys. Granted, the U.S. Marshal does go down, you know, firing a few headshots with his handgun, and they don't even take any cover. But um, they they just get blown away, and then the film moves on. You know, it's just like whoa, okay. It just seems really practical. But for a, uh, for Mick Gould and Michael Mann, who who've really done real uh, sublime things with the action genre, it's so weird. Why would they park the car there? Why wouldn't they keep driving, get better cover or something, and hide behind? Why the wouldn't car? they engage a local police force to come and be backup? Because somebody shooting a bazooka in the street feels like the police would get a call as well. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I guess they wouldn't get there in time, but, like, he goes, dri- just drive, 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 and he starts opening up. Wouldn't I don't know, Viola Davis should have, yeah, as you said, spun the car around. They should have exited the car and take cover behind the car, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he took some shots, and then he managed to take down, like, three of them before he gets shot. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, I just felt like they were being really careless and expected them to be shot. It was like they only had them for a certain amount of days or something, you know, during the shoot. And so like, oh, we have to kill you off here because (laughs) we can't afford to keep you for the whole movie or whatever. I I really like Viola Davis. I think she's fantastic. Carries a lot of authority in her voice. She just owns, uh, dominates every scene, I feel like. Like, she's a very powerful actress. I really would like to see a lot more of her. Well, I mean, How to Get Away with Murder is rating really well and, and people are discovering her through that and the help and stuff, so... She's starting to get the kudos. I find that with Michael Mann, when he plays down things for realism's sake, for example, when Chris Hemsworth's character hacks the NSA, you know, he's with the, working with the FBI guys and he, he gets the guy to change his password. Black really, Widow. Sure, which is a reference to Scarlett Johansson's character in the Avengers, but all right. <laughs> Let's not confuse the audience. And he wants access, etc. You know, he, he manages to trick you know, uh, it's Tom Cruise's cousin in the movie. That should be played as more of a hero moment, but it's played down. And so you kind of have to give the audience those cues to be like, oh, wow, he just did that big pat on the back for him. When everyone sort of plays it down and and it's sort of buried when it's supposed to be quite a hero moment, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, the only moment they give is a slight pause because Viola Davis goes, are you sure you want to do this? Because... Um, you know, if they discover you, you're dead. And then he just pauses for a few seconds and he goes, you guys better leave the room um, if you don't want to be a part of this. And they just go ahead. You're right, it should have been a bigger moment. In fact, the biggest Michael Mann moment of this film, which I think is very beautifully done, is when um, Nick Hathaway gets out of prison and meets um, his friend. They both hug. And as they're boarding the jet he takes a few seconds to look out like he hasn't been out of prison for a while and he just looks at that space and then the music is playing and without any words being said you realize how important this is for him that he's getting out of prison now and this is what freedom feels like it's a big moment for him to be out of that cage which he probably was going to spend the rest of his life in and Michael Mann doesn't doesn't say any words there it's just the music playing he just takes those few moments and then moves on you know I like that and I really wish there was a little bit more of that in that scene because that you're you're right it was a very big moment the moment um Chris Nick Hathaway decided to um to hack the um NSA government well that was the end you know he can never go back after that and that Mm -hmm. was just treated you know with a little bit of a pause and then he did it you know (laughs) and it was a pretty amazing thing it's a common technique um for for a hack i think they call it phishing or something like that they they send an email the moment you download that pdf they're in your computer yeah and they're copying every keystroke you do yeah which is how he got the password which was a crazy password i don't know how that guy expected to remember that password (laughs) look the hacking i would have really liked to have seen was the editor hacking down the runtime of this film (laughs) because two hours was too long and I kept thinking like wow this still has so long to go or you know because I'm sitting at home on DVD I can check the runtime and I'm thinking wow you know this is all right uh there's too many long pauses for me I know this is Michael Mann probably has a final cut on this doesn't he yeah yeah he seems like the kind of director who'd have final cut so he's not gonna you know lose anything of his baby he's happy and look maybe in time this will be one of those masterpieces but i mean i didn't feel like it was 
after watching it the first time look a lot of that is about the ending people say you win or lose an audience with the ending of a film let's talk about the ending of black the only issue i had with the film was the climactic shootout what's happening here is how underpowered hathaway is compared to the hackers hathaway has to somehow draw out the hacker sadik who was played by girl with the dragon tattoos Yorick Van, oh, I can't pronounce the name, Wagon 9, Wagonin, I can't pronounce the name. He was the awful rapist in um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, Which we also reviewed on this podcast. You guys should check definitely that check out. that out. And Hathaway's only hope is close combat, and he uses prison techniques, wraps himself up with magazine, puts a blade up his sleeve, another around his belt... He has a heavy scarf around his neck to maybe deflect a blade attack, which is what happens. What I don't get is that Hathaway gets a gun and guns down a handful of Kassar's men, who I'm assuming are very well-trained soldiers, as we've seen them in previous action scenes. Where in Hathaway's backstory does it say he is proficient in firearms? And the reaction of the crowd didn't seem real. Uh, Like, there was gunfire going, people were running around... Um, he spends a long time with that screwdriver inside the guy's head no one in the crowd reacts as he stands there having screwdrived a guy in the head and he just stands there holding him and then drops him to the to the ground and nobody reacts and the whole scene is created with all the extras everybody's working on the movie obviously it's not like they shot this in a real uh parade situation um so everybody knows not to react until he starts shooting or whatever so so you get the sequence of the screwdriver in the head uh, no one reacts. He points a gun and starts like pushing through the crowd with the gun. No one reacts. And Sadik is just standing there, like he says a yeah. few lines. I pay people, and it's hard to understand him already. He goes piss off and die, goes face or something. I don't even know where his accent. I'm assuming he's British or European or something. And he's just staring like weirdly. It was just weird choreography. It was dreamlike. It was jittery. It was. I didn't understand what was going on. When uh, Nick Hathaway is pushing through that crowd and pushing past people, I found it really laughable. Like, what are all these people doing in his way? Like, yeah, yeah. and when none Kassar of them are reacting. hits the first person, he's carrying. Like for starters, there's three guys carrying machine guns. You yeah. know, they're all walking, and then a guy gets in the way of Kassar, and Kassar just punches him, and then no one else reacts. I'm just like, okay, I guess he's got a gun. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to mess with him. So I went with it, you know. And then um, Hathaway comes up behind him. His only chance is close combat and Kassar spots him you know spins around um, he goes to stop it right there no one's ever gotten this close before and he's checking him out you know I guess he's feeling magazines going oh this is a bit weird and the, or a bulletproof vest that he, he might think and then he gets stabbed in the face they stay on that for so long what is Sadik doing in that moment is he just walking forward the whole time but every time they cut to him he's just staring you know just oh, I, I don't get it <laughs> and at the end, the the way he finally kills the bad guy is he stabs him about ten times. Yeah. Like, just Shiv style, like he's learned that in prison, like, bam, 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 like, straight, you know, kills him. I don't know. <laughs> you know this, it seemed like, like a really strange, like you say, dreamlike sequence. Like, it, I don't know, it didn't feel very well thought out. Yeah, and, and that's weird. Again, this is Michael Mann and Mick Gould um, choreographing it. They I, they need a third person in there to go, hey guys, I know you're very, because Michael Mann's a marksman himself. Um, I, I know you guys are very good at what you do, but this isn't making any sense to me. You know, somebody needs to step up. And the whole scene where Hathaway is goading um Sadik to come out I've got your 74 million the audio on that sounded so bad like it was recorded on an old school um camera and I don't know just just I, I don't know if it's um like the audio recording just sounded a bit jarring and also the accents in this film like I know Michael Mann like loves to use an international cast but it kind of works against it when you don't can't quite understand some of the wording that they say or you misinterpret it like especially from the asian um uh, girl that was uh, because you have to hold on to every word in a michael mann film and if you can't understand the accent can't understand the word they're saying it just you know you lose a bit of the drama there <laughs> and when, yeah when he's talking to sadik to draw him out i didn't see why sadik needed to go himself why couldn't he just send somebody else 
as uh, as um static oh yeah that that's actually the hacker and the hacker was never was there uh, i don't know yeah doesn't know what he looks like he doesn't yeah. know what he looks like you know but i guess he's got 74 million he had to come out i, I did love that scene um where they hack um static like they simply get a usb drive into the bank and i love it how michael mann takes time to show the coffee being put on the papers you know she's mm. drying it uh, as a tack on the taxi ride on the way to the bank and she's like oh my presentation got mucked up would you be able to print me another one and he plugs yeah. it in and that's that moment where you go being okay um chris hemsworth is now in he's now into mm-hmm. the bank system he can do what he wants mm-hmm. yeah that i enjoyed as well i mean some of the practical stuff you know the the hacking was was good to see it just it didn't land at the end of that whole final sequence that just left me scratching my head about it i didn't think they needed to go to malaysia as well i know it's a beautiful set piece that lunar sort of landscape looks like they're on the moon but it was just so pointless they would go to malaysia to find out why is he scanning um the satellites over that and it was just so they could see the pumps and then they're like oh okay but it just i don't know they could have compressed some of the helicopter rides weren't necessary as well but there they were for me the plot became a bit convoluted like uh he steals money so he can write uh sorry he does the power plant thing as rehearsal he steals money so that he can jack up the price of soy and make more money then he's going to use that money to buy tin because when he does the next power plant thing the price of tin is going to skyrocket yeah because he's going to flood the valley so they can't mine for tin anymore but at the same time like chris hemsworth just hacks the money out of the bank that would have been a quick way to make money for the banker for the for Sadik to just hack money out of other banks yeah yeah why didn't he just just siphon money out of banks like set up an algorithm or like you know (laughs) just just get money and like you don't have to then endanger people's lives or anything that's an interesting point i didn't even think of that well it, it just becomes convoluted like all the steps that he has to take when he could just as chris hemsworth says you know uh you could just cash out yeah you know get the money then you cash out <laughs> the money disappears there's no trail it, w- it would have been cooler just to have him as a sadistic guy like he just likes to do that he just wants to know how far his powers can go like yeah. sure and i think somebody said that the marketing was like that you know you're getting kind of like a joker man who wants to watch the world burn yeah kind of there's a movie. really cool trailer like the trailer i saw um oh, i can't remember when i saw birdman they played a trailer for black hat and it was really bad it looked like an awful action movie and then i saw other trailers for it on youtube and there was a whole monologue that Sadak gives as the action is playing he's on the phone to hathaway i can get you anytime anywhere this isn't about money this isn't about politics i can target anyone that wasn't at all in the movie that monologue and Mm. i kind of wish it was i wish it was that character presented in the trailer like it's this all-powerful hacker that you can't see i'm anywhere i'm everywhere and when you know but that character that's depicted in the trailer isn't anything like what the hacker is in the movie (laughs) this movie should have made me feel like i wasn't safe to turn on my computer you know that hackers can get me any time this should have made me feel like Steven Soderbergh's Contagion makes you feel about touching surfaces after watching the film. You know, you don't want to do it. You're worried about what's going to get you sick. When somebody coughs, you're like, oh my God, I'm about to get whatever flu they have. You know, there should be something that comes through the screen and translates, you know. And at the end of this, I'm like, okay, so there's some crazy hackers out there. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel <laughs> like I'm in danger because I'm I'm such a little person. Like, why would anyone want to hack my stuff? Like, I should be fine. But yeah, I do worry about the infrastructures and institutions that are in place. Like, yes. they can hack a nuclear reactor and just start up a fan or a reactor to just start going off and then really do heavy damage um to our reactors that's the only impression i got but on a personal level mm. you know hack my as 
<laughs> I'm going to quote Joe Rogan here. I don't care if somebody hacks my laptop. You know what they're going to see on my on my camera? They're going to see a, a 45-year-old comedian beating off. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the, <laughs> the celebrities who've been hacked, it seems to have been more for Sony. I had all their emails hacked. Uh, all these um, female celebrities have had their nude pictures hacked. Uh, there's there's a lot of that kind of going on and that sort of though it's horrible isn't like life ending so I suppose this movie would be more frightening if say the main character did like um, you know uh, create several Joker style you know situations where people died in uh, like and maybe he hacks the bank and everybody suddenly owes more money or like uh, you know all their balances are at zero and everybody's broke, everyone loses their savings, you know, if it's more of an everyman story. Yeah, because, like, um, Black Hat had a lot of things going for it with the Sony hacking, with the hacking of the mobile phones of celebrities, getting a lot of nude photos from them. And then this film comes out on hackers. It was just so coincidental. If I was Michael Mann, I'd be thinking, wow, I could have a mega hit on my hands, you know, because everything is coinciding. But unfortunately, again, maybe the marketing campaign didn't convey that as well. But um, maybe Michael Mann should have had a bit of that, like showing... A, a bit of a sadistic side of the hacker that yeah he is hacking into nude celebrities or, or something like that so, or hacking into computers to look at people or, or just something like that rather than just something so disconnected with a lot of um a common day uh, a lot of modern mo- movie audiences like the average man like you know it just seems a little bit more distant well there's a quite a few horror movies now where sort of you know your computer camera will come on and somebody's watching you and they type to you you know there's that kind of scary element to it um there was a very small part of that where chris hemsworth goes to the restaurant yeah. and then goes That's and he sees point. him on the camera yeah. and they type back and forth more of that would have been great but there's too much um uh his character being an advisor you know and them talking about this stuff and the, the the price of ten, and he wants twenty percent of the score, and I don't know. At a certain point, I was like craving the action, and then the action was disappointing. You know, I was like, why are these cops not taking cover? This is stupid. Why is you know this whole shiv stuff? You know, you see Chris Hemsworth, he has a bulletproof vest at one point during the film. Then later in the film, he has to make a magazine. Like, yeah, I think I think that's the case tactic. though. That they're on the run now. They had to get. You know, they, Chris Hemsworth is now wanted, and he can't. He he's lost his whole team now. Like Viola Davis is gone, um, the U.S. Marshal is gone. His best friend, who's very high up in the Chinese military, is gone. They're both having on the run. You know, so they've only got a screwdriver, sharpened screwdriver, and he has to use prison tactics to get in close. You know, but um, so all the the resources that were available to him are now gone. I think that's what they were going for in that those scenes. I know you think that, except he has $74 million. <laughs> That's a good point, he yeah. Could, he could buy a bulletproof vest. <laughs> Hell, he could buy a machine gun or a sniper rifle also, and then just wait for them um, from a distance when he sees them in the crowd, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> or he could have contacted the NSA and said, I'm willing to give myself up, I'll be here, and then told them the location of the thing where uh, the parade, and then call them again and say, your hacker's that guy. He's or right with there, seventy-four million, shirt. you could hire a private sector security team to get <laughs> them down. You know, go to Sadik, oh. go to um, go to uh, what's his name, um, the hitman, uh, Elias Kazar. Look, oh look, man, I'll pay you fifty million if you just kill Sadik. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, this is it. He can hack more money. You know, he, money's not the issue for him. He can do that again. Uh, for me, for somebody who's been working his mind in prison for years. He's not the smartest. <laughs> and that's a problem with the film. A lot of people like being very picky, you know, very little things like, oh, you know, how did he survive with the magazines, things like that. For me, the ending leaves flat and therefore it doesn't make it memorable. Yeah, that's I, I my major just, issue I, with the I get film. What, where Michael Mann was going with the with that action scene and I do like it, like the music and stuff like that. It was just choreographed and edited very jarringly. Um, that was my biggest issue with it. And I, I reckon, I really wish it was just him confronting Kassar 
um, and um, sad, Sadik, and he just gets he just simply pulls out his blade and stabs both of them. You know, rather than him get the gun, shoot two other guys, shoot that. You know, it was just a bit too overlong of that. Should have just been much more simplified, just really straightforward at that point. You know what another good hacking movie is? Swordfish. <laughs> that it wasn't is, a um... good hacking movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> It was more entertaining than this. You got to give it that. Ouch! And there was also shrapnel bombs. Anyway, uh, don't you reckon he uh, was way too good looking to be a hacker? Hugh Jackman. Chris Hemsworth. Hugh Jackman. Oh, uh, they tried to dress him in like less flattering clothes, and it was also um, 2001, so he filmed that probably right after X Men One, so he wasn't yet a huge star. But they sort of got him probably pretty cheap. Travolta probably got the biggest paycheck on that film. <laughs> Although Halle Berry to show her breasts, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's well. the only thing I can remember from the film. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I did want to say that for me, the two-hour runtime—if you're going to have a two-hour runtime—you need to wow with the ending. Otherwise, people are going to wonder why they watched it, and that, I feel like that's where the negative reviews are coming from. You know, you feel like you're stealing time from people. You're going watch this two-hour film, and then it wasn't worth it in the end. I'm gonna Look, say. Uh, um, the- I'm, I'm just gonna say. I, I really enjoyed the film, other than my issue with it. Um, so I, I, I really wish for people to go buy this <laughs> and go watch it, just so my, um, legendary pictures can get some money back. Because my biggest fear at the moment. Um, as we talked about Dave is uh, like I love superhero movies I love this age that we're living in but I'm really worried that the um, the filmmakers like Michael Mann aren't going to get the big budgets like they normally do to make films like Black Hat like Public Enemies or like Miami Vice My- Michael Mann's last three films because audiences aren't going to go see them and that's a big loss in cinema if all we're going to get are these big Fast and the Furious 7, 8, 9, 10 or, um, you know, Avengers 3, 4 and 5. Nothing against those films, but having Black Hat not even make any money at all is, for me, really scary because I don't want to live in a cinema world without voices like Michael Mann. So I really encourage you guys to buy the Blu-ray, watch it, and you'll have issues with it, but it's a beautiful piece of work. Sure. Do you think um, Michael Mann is evolving as a director or do you think his work is very similar to how it used to be? I think he's always evolving. I think he's such an aggressively hard-working steel-lock guy. He's always, always, always... He's never lost that um, prison research he did with Jericho Mile, which was his first film he did. He went into the prison systems and researched like crazy. And he's always been obsessed with time what people do with their time and it really culminated with public enemies with john dillinger here's a guy who got locked away at a very young age for stealing bread did some violent things in prison you know because they're in a very violent world and he was in prison for a huge portion of his life so you know he's got to catch up with his time when he breaks out of prison he's trying to live the best life he can possibly live because his his life has been taken away from him Michael Mann has always been obsessed with that, what people do with their time, and I think it's extrapolated in all his work. And I think Ali or The Insider or Heat are his probably his most grand films. People argue he's taken a huge dip. He hasn't really come back since Collateral. I don't think that's the case. I think um, he's a very important voice in cinema. He's very influential. I'm sure Cyber, that terrible show with the beautiful girl, um, CSI Cyber, with that. Uh, Patricia Arakat, I think um, Arakat. Patricia Arakat from Boyhood. I always yeah. pronounce the name incorrectly. I think that show has to take down notes from Hacker, you know, because from what I've seen from Cyber, um, the CSI is a CSI or NCIS. It's CSI Cyber. CSI I think. Cyber. From what I've it seen, it looks NCIS. like a cartoon. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, it looks like a cartoon, like how they solve crimes and everything like that. They need to take a page out of Michael Mann's book. And Michael Mann, um, in his early, he was one of the early adopters of digital filmmaking. He experimented, experimented a lot with digital video cam- cameras with Ali in two thousand one. About twenty percent of that movie was shot on digital, and again with Collateral. All the day scenes were shot on film and all the night scenes were shot on digital. He actually doesn't shoot digital like a lot of other filmmakers. Other filmmakers who embrace digital early, like David Fincher and Ridley Scott, all shot digital to look like film. 
Michael Mann shot digital to look like digital and he made it look really beautiful and made it work. In anyone else's hands, I think it would have looked very amateurish, but like, for example, Public Enemies was all shot in digital and that was a period piece, you know, like that was a very controversial decision, but he opened up a whole vocabulary of filmmaking with um, just with his very choice of digital um photography everyone looked at his films and went wow now we're seeing that kind of choreography that kind of shooting in video games in television and things like that so i think long answer to your question dave i think he's a very important filmmaker and he's he's getting better and better well we'll look forward to seeing what he does next it was a 70 million dollar budget um there's reports of it being uh anywhere between 8 and 18 million grossing era so a massive bomb by yeah. our financial standards. Devastating. Um, yeah, it, it really like I'd be interested to see what he bounces back with. I mean, it's easy enough for him to just go back to producing for a while. Yeah, uh, and he's know, had and just, um, luck as well. Was a failure. It only lasted yeah. one season as well. A horse racing was very very good, but it cost way too much yeah, money. A lot of horses died during exactly. The yeah, I mean that's uh, not only bad luck. I mean that's. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but um, it sucks because they called it luck. And Michael, if you're you know. listening, do a prequel to Collateral with Tom Cruise, all about that hitman and his hits around the world. Everyone would love to see that character that Tom Cruise plays Vincent in Collateral and all his adventures. Please do that film. <laughs> that would be uh, really interesting, like a global version of that. Mm. You know, many he was countries. such a cool character. I agree, but um, it would have to be a prequel because we know what happens at the end of Collateral. <laughs> Look, I just thought I would say for those interested, Black Hat, the title, comes for uh, comes from classic westerns where the heroes wear white hats and the villains wear black hats, making it easy for you to tell them apart. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should be honest, Dave. Tell people what Black Hat really is. Black Hat is a term for uh, hackers who uh, write malicious code designed to do things that uh, other people tell them they're not supposed to do no well if you're listening to this you've probably seen the film already so you know what black hat (laughs) hackers are (laughs) there you go (laughs) all the term maybe (laughs) guys uh next time on the podcast we're going to get into mad max fury road very interested to talk about it with you lloyd but uh, we'll save that for next time on our website podmeifyoucan.com you can find links to us on itunes if you listen to us through itunes we'd love you to rate us uh, so many, a few people have gone there and rated. Really appreciate those uh, comments and words. It helps uh, other people find the podcast and um, us grow our audience. Uh, we've recently passed 50 subscribers on our YouTube channel. The link is on podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, we do obscure films with famous people in them, and if you're interested, there's quite a few. There's something for everybody on that page. Um, as well we have a link to the store where you can buy a couple of things that I've written they're on amazon.com if you're a reader Uh, but look film is the focus of Podme if you can so um, if you have an idea of a film you want us to check out in the near future I believe after Mad Max we'll be heading to Jurassic World yeah if that comes out uh, yep definitely I believe it's uh, June 11 so it'll, it'll definitely be out soon you know, uh, we're happy to, to field suggestions and requests from people on our Facebook page. If you're not a fan, head to facebook.com slash podme if you can, and uh, you can find us there. Uh, Lloyd, Black Hat, Michael Mann, fun to talk about, and I am looking forward to seeing what Michael Mann does next. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks a lot, Dave, for agreeing to go with uh, Black Hat. Um, I know it had a very shaky um, release and everything like that, but um, I'm just really happy we were able to talk about Michael Mann. Definitely, and um, look... As I said, you guys come to us with your requests. No request too big or small. We will uh, see what we can do for you on the podcast. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you, talk to you next time. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 